Welcome to the Further Light Podcast, brought to you and presented by Wisconsin Freemasonry, helping you accomplish your Masonic goals through education and more light. And now, I introduce to you, Brother Chris Ludke. This is Brother Chris Lickin. and today I want to explore the difference between ancient and modern Freemasons. And we've all heard the different terminology. Ancient Free and Accepted Masons or Free and Accepted Masons. The question is, why the differentiation? Where does this come from? And I found a great article by Ed Pisani Jr., written on this topic. Now, this is more of a literary article, so I'm going to be jumping in on occasion with my own aside to try and explain what's going on. I'm going to be adapting it for the podcast. But this is, again, Ed Pisani Jr. What is the difference between ancient and so-called modern Freemasons? Modern being free and accepted, ancient being ancient free and accepted. So let's get into this because it's something that we still see to this day. In June of 1717, the Premier Grand Lodge of England was established as the Grand Lodge of London and Westminster. It was focused on supplying Freemasonry to the London and Westminster areas in England. It is important to note that this Grand Lodge is the oldest known in the country of England, and therefore it soon became known as the Grand Lodge of England. The Grand Lodge was founded on St. John the Baptist Feast Day, June 24th, when four existing lodges met at the Goose and Gridiron Ale House in London. So there are four lodges that come together. These are have the majority of their members as speculative, although there may have still been some operative Masons about. And so that's sort of the basis. That's a history that we're aware of. Now, in 1723, a long introduction of tracing Freemasonry back to biblical times was implemented via the Book of Constitutions, and it included a set of six charges or Masonic obligations. It expanded versions of Payne's regulations. It formalized the method of constituting a new lodge, and for the first time, all of Freemasonry, except for the ritual, was available in a printed book. However, Though there were groups of Freemasons that traced their roots back to the ideals and morals of the Christian belief system, not every Freemason were themselves Christians. And this will, of course, create a bit of an issue, especially in a Masonry, and here I'm on side, where we understand this universality, especially I've had discussions of the volume of sacred law, etc., where we get into the idea of religion in Freemasonry or the holy writings in Freemasonry outside of Christianity. So it is critical to inform you that not all Masons were Christians in this era. So in England, the Grand Lodge had two factions of brothers, those Christian and those that were not. Thus, its historical line was of a non-Christian focus. It took more of a secular line. This is in line with what you would see in society in 1717 during the Enlightenment, a period of time where religion starts to take, and the idea of looking to a higher authority for answers in the natural world will take a backseat to the ideas of observation, scientific method, etc. 
So in the year 1751, a number of Blue Lodges came together in London to form a rival Grand Lodge. The original Grand Lodge's members came to be dubbed Moderns. So if you're keeping track, the Moderns are the original Grand Lodge, the more secular Grand Lodge, while the later called themselves Ancients. Further, this group of unaffiliated lodges of mainly Irish membership, that's important. Ireland is primarily a Catholic country. They're going to have a little bit stronger ties here. Uh, formed the Grand Committee of what would become the most ancient and honorable society of free and accepted Masons, according to the old constitutions. Very long name. Now, this will be known, and throughout this paper, will be known as the Ancients. Because it was the first Masonic Grand Lodge to be created, it called itself the Premier Grand Lodge of England in order to distinguish itself from the most ancient and honorable society of free and accepted Masons according to the old constitution. So now we have two Grand Lodges. We have the Ancients, which have the very long name, and we have the Moderns, which is the first Grand Lodge and was known as the Premier Grand Lodge of England. So who assisted in coming up with the names Moderns and Ancients? Well, a man by the name of Lawrence McDermott, who was the Grand Secretary and Deputy Grand Master of the Ancients, helped the term stick in our Masonic history. But be aware, the original Grand Lodge was always referred to as the Moderns, and Dermot made sure that it stuck when he served as Deputy Grand Master. In 1756, he published his own version of the Book of Constitutions, ensuring his own Grand Lodge became known to history as the Ancients. So, and he actually starts in one of the modern lodges in 1752 before moving over. It is important to note that the Grand Master of the Grand Lodge, this is the Moderns, the Grand Lodge that we think of, founded in 1717, was to be a member of the nobility. This nobleman would serve as their sponsor and serve as their spokesman in high places. Once a member of the aristocracy or nobility was chosen as Grand Master, it set in motion a chain of events that led to the beginning of the much-talked-about disagreement. The Grand Master was a member of the nobility and naturally associated with his class equals. He further tended to fill his Masonic leadership appointments in the Grand Lodge with other aristocrats. Thus, Lawrence, McDerm Lawrence Dermott, who was a successful wine merchant in England at the time, was Deputy Grand Master and effectively ran the Grand Lodge, the Grand Master being a more or less figurehead role. It is thanks to Dermott that the United Grand Lodge, as it currently stands, inherited the infrastructure of the moderns, although it took its ritual from the ancients. Why was there disagreement or schism in Freemasonry at the time? Unfortunately, this class structure was very inflexible. The thinking during that era was that no man would set aside any of his God-given rights and prerogatives of his nobility. The Christian Freemasons, the ancients, and the moderns never claimed a Christian heritage, but instead had set up lodges that promoted values other than those espoused in Christianity. Anderson's Constitutions were published in 1723, or was published, it's one book, by Presbyterian church minister and four deacons of the Huguenot Church, the Huguenots being uh, Protestants from France that are going to be pushed out of France into England. Thus, this became one of the founding documents of Freemasonry and was regularly printed in pocket-sized versions for the brothers of that era. Anderson's 1723 constitutions only recognized the grades of entered apprentice and fellowcraft slash master, two degrees, effectively. 
Later, Dermot wrote the Ahiman Raison as the ancients' version of the Book of Constitutions, as a way to retain the traditions of Freemasonry in what were thought of as its purest form. Thus, a feud among the Freemasons of the era quickly erupted. As time progressed, both ancient and modern Freemasons struggled to overcome this ideology and return to a more pure form fraternalism than is represented in the modern-day degree work. So what were the differences between the two Freemasons' Grand Lodge's Book of Constitutions based on? Here are the main points of difference between the ancient and the moderns as defined by the ancients, which can be easily summed up as follows. So this is the ancients laying out their differences from their perspective. The ancients being the Christian later group. Transposing the modes of recognition in the first and second degrees. Omitting Prayers. They believed that the moderns were omitting too many prayers. They believed that the moderns were de-Christianizing the ritual, which the ancients pointed to the Anderson's Constitutions of 1723 as proof. Ignoring the saints' days, the moderns were being pointed as holding their festivals on the days, on days that were not the days of St. John. They were looser in that categorization of when things had to happen. They believed that the moderns omitted to prepare candidates in the customary fashion. They believed that the moderns abbreviated the ritual work and neglected the lectures and catechisms that were attached to each degree. The ancients believed that the moderns had ceased to recite the ancient charges at initiation of new brothers. They believed that the moderns were introducing extreme plainness and simplicity into the ceremonies. The ancients believed that removing the sword in the initiation ceremony, with the exception of that the Tyler War, was a problem. They believed that allowing a more esoteric ceremony at the installation of a master to stop being used in the degree work. So there was a more esoteric ceremony at the installation of the master that the ancients use, and it's being used in the ritual by the moderns. The ancients believed that the moderns were departing from the ancient method of arranging the lodge as well as ignoring the deacons. Now, two very famous master masons who did not adhere to the ancients' values in the craft at the time were Benjamin Franklin and George Washington. Believe it or not, Benjamin Franklin was buried without being allowed a proper Masonic funeral due to his secular beliefs as a modern mason at the time the ancients in the area wouldn't perform the ceremony. What is the difference between the ancient, free, and accepted Masons and the free and accepted Masons? Well, from 1751 to 1813, there were two Grand Lodges in England. Both were issuing charters or warrants empowering Masons to do degree work. And think about the timing, 1751 to 1813. They both allowed new lodges to be formed, mainly in the colonies soon to be the United States. Thus, the United States gets a mix of ancient free and accepted and free accepted masons or ancients and moderns. So this makes things rather interesting, particularly in the United States. The reason for the formation of these two Grand Lodges was based on the schism or disagreement on the constitutions as we've talked about. It should also be noted that the disagreement was short-lived. It went on for 62 years and finally both groups agreed to once again open formal Masonic communication with each other. By the year 1813, the disagreement was totally and completely resolved. Also, during that time frame, the two Grand Lodges merged back into one Grand Lodge of England. 
Thus, the two Grand Lodges existed until 1813, when we see the Premier Grand Lodge unite with the ancient Grand Lodge of England to create the current United Grand Lodge of England. But the damage was done because each group spawned their separate Blue Lodges and Provincial Grand Lodges all across the colonies, and also after the American Revolution in the United States. Thankfully, when the merger was complete, the Blue Lodges and Grand Lodges, which are set with their own bylaws and further cemented by their fraternal independence to retain the titles and initials they wished, when founded, either as ancient free and accepted or free and accepted, and in some cases, some other variation. This, in some cases, can be connected to which Grand Lodge chartered the entity of the particular Blue Lodge, prior to the creation of the new Grand Lodge. But it's important to note that according to prescription and usage, as adopted in London in 1717, by and through the representative system as practiced on that occasion, and adopted by the constitutional provisions as binding for all time by the craft. Fancy way of saying that because of these two Grand Lodges, they will charter new lodges, and sometimes Grand Lodges, and you have situations where a new lodge may be chartered in a new area by one of the Grand Lodges or a Grand Lodge set up as an ancient or modern, and that Blue Lodge, because it is ancient or modern, may go ahead and influence the creation of the Grand Lodge in that jurisdiction, which creates either an ancient or modern Grand Lodge, ancient being ancient, free, and accepted, and modern being free and accepted Masons. If a brother Freemason visits different states, he will find the title on Blue Lodge and Grand Lodge to read as such. Further, a brother can enjoy hearing slight differences in degree work, not only between states, but between these two various groups, or various forms. Once a year, there will be a cave degree given in some jurisdictions for brother Masons to visit and sit in a lodge to experience the degree work from other states. Further, some will enjoy taking notes of the differences in procedure for opening and closing and how the bylaws affected the Grand Lodge's chartered Blue Lodges in the proper manner. Today, all Grand Lodges in the United States treat each other with respect. Many of the Grand Lodges in the United States are, are recognized by other regular Grand Lodges in Scotland, England, Thailand, Ireland, India, throughout Europe, Africa, and South America. So today, it doesn't play much of a role, but there's a really interesting history as we kind of looked at there of how we got to this point. What you have is a group of brothers, the Moderns, the original 1717 Grand Lodge, and you have the development of the ancients based on a more Christian form or what they see as a more Christian form, and they're looking at a more conservative view, a more ancient view of what should be in the ritual. They schism, they have their arguments, and they come back together. And as a result, we have a hierarchy within the Lodge and the Grand Lodge based on the moderns, based on the 1717 Grand Lodge. But we have a ritual which in most places is based primarily, obviously there are some variations, but is based primarily on the ancients' ritual. So we have the more, quote, pure form ritual, while we have the more modern hierarchy. And it's very interesting because they were taking opposing views on two totally different issues. You could imagine a situation where these two groups would have gotten together quite well had they sat down and really hashed out their differences. But you can imagine two groups getting together 
and arguing over things and not being able to really get at the base issue and see commonality. Instead, they see difference. Sort of the story of life. Are you interested in learning more about Freemasonry in Wisconsin? Visit wisconsinmasons.org. That's wimasons.org. Learn more about Freemasonry and access more educational content and further light. Any questions, comments, or suggestions, please email us at education at wimasons.org. Once again, that email address is education at wisconsinmasons.org. Thank you for listening. Thank you.